keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Out full of suffering, suck attached, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host this week, Robert Karpolis. Dan St. Germain is on his honeymoon, secretly trying to watch wrestling on his phone while pretending to enjoy time with his wife. Uh, we are joined, as always, by Mike Lawrence and Scott Chaplin and our producer, Zach. Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. Um, yeah, it, it, It's funny knowing Dan so long. And, uh, you know, this is his honeymoon. They got married in 2019, then the pandemic happened. This is long overdue. Sarah is amazing. And every time he texts us about wrestling, I feel sad. Yeah, that's uh, that's becoming a, a, a recurring thing of when Dan's texting. Even my wife turns and goes, isn't he on his honeymoon? I know. And I'm like, it's his yeah. honeymoon. He's supposed to enjoy himself. Uh, speaking of enjoying themselves, Scott, how are you? I'm good. Knowing Dan as long as I have, uh, I, I'm sure he's been on the run for the last two days <laughs> because she didn't understand why uh, a Cody on Ms. TV was more important than dinner on the beach. You don't understand. <laughs> it was world building, Scott. It was establishing him as a top star and all that pyro was uh, was amazing. What's also I amazing is uh, is our show this week. Uh, we are doing a four count, like the four horsemen, but when uh, Paul Roma was in it. So lower expectations at the onset, but uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, it's amazing because the Oli Anderson of our show isn't here. Oh, he, he's not the Oli. Oli's like cranky and old. He's, uh, God, who in the horseman would he would, would, would he be? That's a... Uh, I'm Barry fucking Wyndham. I could see him being Barry Windham. Barry Windham's just happy all the time for no reason. That's kind of Dan. He's like, I'm just happy to be here. Which, uh, whereas, which, which, which one's the horseman who's like, hey, baby, let's have a threesome. Me, you, and the Observer live. <laughs> I, I, Whichever horseman was like, hey, where's the horse? <laughs> where's the horse, man? <laughs> no, no, uh, Jarrett was never a full-fledged member of the horseman. <laughs> I'm joking. We love that he's part here to the Ad Free Shows Network. Speaking of uh, all the stuff we gotta we gotta promote, which we may or may not be airing on this. Someone asked me last week, "Are you guys on?" I was like, "Does Roman Reigns have a show?" <laughs> it, it's up there. I, I I check every now and again because it's funny to see like people have put comments on the Ad Free Shows thing about it. And uh, people do get mad if we make fun of other members of the Ad Free Shows Network. Um, it's it's the best kind of Stockholm syndrome, but for for our fans, for our forbidden dorks, for the real fans here, uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we've got. Uh, I, I, what are we doing for this weekend for the Patreon? Brother, uh, brother, I know week. you're Jewish, but it's Easter. We're all, That's what I. Well, it's welcome. Passover this week, and I assume we were passing hey, over this you. week. <laughs> yes, you're welcome, and thank you. 
Yes, yeah. I assume we were passing over this week, but I wanted to make sure, though, uh, I did drop it for the something to sports entertainment with tier breaking down uh, the uh, Smackdown WrestleMania show Rampage Raw and my own personal breakdown of having to watch WWE programming every week, but it was a blast. We got a lot of stuff to cover here on this four count. This is a stacked four count, so we're going to get right into it uh, with with a little bit of sad news, but we're going to get a lot of insight on here. I think one of the things that makes this show at least for me work so well is we all love professional wrestling, but we also have the opportunity to, to talk with uh, some really talented comedians. And uh, earlier this week, Gilbert Gottfried passed away. A, uh, an absolute icon uh, of comedy. I think people saw that picture of him and Louis Anderson and Bob Saget going around. And it's just, it's incomprehensible to believe uh, those three plus Norm MacDonald have all been gone in the last few months. So I wanted to take this moment at the top to, uh, to ask Scott and Mike if they have uh, some stories, memories, something that they want to share about the uh, late, great Gilbert Gottfried. Mike, I'll start with you. Well, okay, first off, yeah, you know, whenever someone's like, we can't do this joke anymore or whatever, comedy's dying. Um, here's the thing. Comedy is actually physically dying. Uh, <laughs> they are. I mean, it, 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 is, it is crazy to me. Um, I, I think about this uh, a lot this week. Um, I did a roast. I, I, I've roasted the Iron Sheik four times. And, and, and probably the biggest one I did was in Toronto for this thing called the dark comedy festival and brody stevens um was on that roast rest in Oof. peace he was a great comic um if you guys don't know him look him up he was phenomenal and uh and and gilbert was as well also the iron sheik and brutus the barber beefcake were on that roast <laughs> they're alive How? <laughs> now 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 look uh brody unfortunately uh committed suicide how hasn't Brutus the Barber Beefcake committed suicide? <laughs> you can't afford anything away. that's going to do it. <laughs> His yeah, scissors he, are dulled over the years. Robert, he, he would, but, you know, uh, jet ski fuel costs too much now. <laughs> but, um, no, man, I mean, Gilbert, yeah, I got to work with him a couple times, and, and, and yeah, just, just to say I did a roast with him uh, was, was wonderful. I, he was, he was the, the, the quietest person I've ever seen in comedy. Um, you know, he had, he had like, you know, he has like the, the, the trademark Gilbert voice, but you know, his, his more natural voice was like this. And I remember he just went hi, And just to get the shoot Gilbert voice was like an honor and just to, to work with him and to be on a stage with him and, it was funny because he's, he, he, I don't think he was a wrestling fan and, but he like crushed the iron Sheik roast because he just like made fun of the Sheik in that very specific Gilbert way. I mean, yeah, we're, we are a wrestling podcast. We're also a comedy podcast and we're a roast podcast. And I don't think there are many people who have elevated the form of roasting more than Gilbert Gottfried. Um, you know what it is? It's like, I, I, I'd like to say that uh, all of us channel different comics sometimes on this. We, we do a Norm joke. We do a Dangerfield joke. You know, we, we tap into that. We do a Scott Chaplin joke sometimes. Um, <laughs> Robert does one every week. And, but, but Gilbert jokes, you know what they sound like. You know how they feel. But there's such like another level, an expert level of roasting that 
I don't think we even attempt them, which which just shows a level of respect. You know, it's the thing of you take a thing and you go all the way with it and then you go three minutes longer. You know, I, I mean, I, I think, the, you know, uh, the, like the an edge match. What's that? Like an edge match. Yeah. Or uh, or uh, an AEW run in at the end. Um, <laughs> and, and so you so you you look at like uh, the, the the aristocrats joke that he did at the at the Chevy Chase roast. I think it was, it was the Hugh Hefner like, roast. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hugh Hefner roast like two or three weeks after 9-11. He does a 9-11 joke. It doesn't work. And, and none of this aired on the show, but it's in the movie Aristocrats. And he does an aristocrat joke. And the whole point of that joke is how far can you go? And he perfected it, man. You know, like I, I would see him when he did stand up. He would do like old fashioned jokes. I mean, I think he was like uh, a kind of bridge between classic Catskill the history of Jewish comedy really and modern sensibilities and, and a unique way of doing things. You know, I, I think it was like so vital to keep those old jokes alive in a fresh, new, exciting way that, you know, nobody can touch, man. I mean, whether you like him or, or dislike him, you know who he is and you know what he does. And, and I think there's so many comics that try to change or, you know, forget who they are and that guy never did man and, and you know and I, I think that the true testament to a great comic is does it does the shit hold up and i was listening to him on howard stern yesterday it's one of the funniest things and it has nothing to do with wrestling or anything but his impression of old groucho marx have, have you ever heard it robert uh, or scott no. so no, it's groucho oh dude it's it's the funniest thing because he talks about how like everybody does like classic Groucho, but the Groucho that he does is Groucho from the Dick Cavett show when he was like really old and yes. like senile. And so it's like this, you know, <laughs> the thing is a pie in the face is funny because a face usually doesn't have pie, you know? And he just keeps going in these like weird tangents and it's, he does the best Seinfeld impression. If you've ever heard of Seinfeld, it's yes. fucking and he even, he even said, he was like, I was doing it in the early 80s when we were just on like the local New York comedy circuit. That he was what everyone does as the, what's the deal? Like he did that first. Um, so I, I think like the amount of contributions, you know, and then the movies, Aladdin, uh, fucking Problem Child. And, and I'm sure something that'll resonate with our audience, USA Up All Night with Rhonda Shear. Yes. <laughs> That was that was huge. I also love. I mean, there it was going around. I think I sent it to you guys. There's the clip when he was on Hollywood Squares, and Hollywood Squares was not a particularly funny show. Uh, but there was this thing that lasted for about five minutes, where he was the last square, and they both had so both contestants have to keep calling on him until somebody gets it right. And they they go like seven or eight rounds where nobody's getting it. And the jokes weren't that good. But after each time they got it wrong, he would scream "You fool!" at the top of his lungs, and his delivery of it was. I mean, you're crying listening to it because he knew how to just hit those words perfectly. Scott, what do you what do you have to say on uh, the Nikita Koloff of pro wrestling with his fake voice? <laughs> I think he's an he's an all timer in terms of he is so defined as himself. Uh, even the things he's kind of influenced by, like the Catskill shit, he does make it his own. Kind of like what Mike was saying. Um, 
yeah, I always loved him. Again, an original voice to the point where he got to make a lot of money playing, you know, a parrot that everybody knows the voice of and then a duck. And uh, <laughs> if he didn't get canceled, who knows what other types of birds. Uh, I... <clears throat> Are there birds in the background while was, you're saying this, Scott? This is a very meta dude, So I covered my birds, but then I got, there's like these new birds in the window. I don't know what's happening. Scott's broadcasting from an Street. aviary. It's a, it's a yeah. big bird. It's, a, it's very annoying, actually. you think it'd be nice, but um, anyway, um, the last time I saw him, I was at Skankfest in Texas in September or October. And I, I, I saw his wife and talked to her and talked to him for like a second. And it's so weird. Cause I never, I never knew he was sick, even though he looked so sick. Cause the first time I ever saw him was God, like maybe 10 years ago. And it was very difficult for him to walk down the steps, but it's just like with the voice and he was tiny anyway, I was just like, Oh, that that's just Gilbert's whole life was just, <laughs> he's like too like dainty to not be able to walk around, but no, just, he was just, sick just this frailty. whole fucking time. Yeah. yeah, the whole time. And he's flying. He's doing sets. And I mean, he's he's delivering. So whatever was going on in his body that was giving up, his voice was still so loud. And I remember him being outside in October or September, whenever the fuck. And, and he destroyed. Uh, that was really cool. And uh, the do you ever see Gilbert, the documentary? No. Oh, well, can you, really can you imagine someone with that body having a Texas death match with Adam Page for the world title? <laughs> oh my god uh, that's not nice <laughs> there's this uh there's this documentary called gilbert by this guy neil berkeley and uh and then he made a documentary that i was gonna be in and uh and i said a, a midget joke on it and he was like i need to get in uh you in touch with someone and it was gilbert's wife and then we were like in contact for like you know like uh you know, like uh, writing shit and stuff. It was fun. Yeah, it's cool. That was nice. I mean, it's 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 cool that we took this time to talk about somebody who was frail, scrawny, and had a shrill voice, <laughs> uh, which moves us to our next topic for current premium <laughs> events: Tony <laughs> Khan versus the bots. Uh, Tony Khan, uh, some of your lord and savior, and and some people's uh, somewhere on the spectrum hero, tweeted the following. An independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community aren't real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts plus Rob, an Robert, army of bots to signal. Robert, can I correct you for a sec? Yes. I think you should do this as a tribute. Do it in Gilbert Godfrey's voice. I, I don't know if I can do a good Gilbert, but it's an independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community are real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts and an army of bots to signal boost them. Look closely. These aren't real people. Who would pay for such a wildly expensive thing? My throat is fucking killing me. How did he do that for so long? Holy crap. So, yeah, so the gist of it is, according to Tony Khan, Mike and I are actually highly sophisticated robots like Dave Meltzer, who are programmed and paid for by the WWE to spout lies about all elite wrestling. And this, for me personally, and I've said this before, is why I'm thrilled Vince McMahon does not know how to tweet because if you are the head of a company, you have to have a little bit of sophistication to not be willing to go out there on social media and say, you know, there's a consp vast conspiracy against us. And there's rooms full of computers that are putting uh, all of these hurtful things uh, about us. Uh, Scott, 
defend your boy. <laughs> no, I can't defend this. This is just corny. He's got to shut up. He's got to stop. Also, he said it was an independent uh, study, but it's something I think he paid for, right? It, it was an independent study that like he asked someone to do or something weird like that. Uh, it's just, so he made a joke sure about that. Listen, paid for every independent hand job he's got. And I would imagine he paid for the independent. <laughs> Look, do I, do I think there are uh, independent bots or do I think there's robots uh, typing negative things about AEW? I think there are robots typing negative things about everything. 100% fact, obviously. Yes. Um, is it, but, but when, when you say it, it means like you're, you're claiming no one is insulting your product or no one is pointing out real flaws or you don't have real flaws. All you have is compliments and the, all the negativity is robots. And what's also it's weird about it is his point of saying like, who would pay for such a wildly expensive thing, implying that the WWE is cutting all of their talent to fund this, uh, this secret ar- bot army that's going out there criticizing AEW which is weird because WWE doesn't view AEW as that kind of competition because at the end of the day, um, when it was WWF versus WCW back in the old days, it was those shows were running head to head and one company was actively trying to put the other one out of business. So fans became militarized because either you were a WWF fan and you hated Ted Turner because he was trying to put this company out of business or you were WCW and you really wanted to see Vince McMahon bankrupt and that company wiped off the face of the earth. There isn't that kind of competition in 2022 because they really don't run head to head. And they are two very different companies that up until last night were playing to two different audiences. Mike, uh, what, what's your take on uh, Tony Khan and why they should take away his Elon Musk Twitter? Um, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, the one person that we know for sure is an actual bot is Meltzer, and he loves AEW. So the bots are working for him. He's one with the machines. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's um yeah i mean i agree with scott in the sense of yeah like everything gets this negative criticism but i also think everything gets valid criticism and it's interesting because we know not only not only should he not be on twitter because of the amount that he tweets and he's not very good at it um you know this is not even close to the most problematic thing he's tweeted um but uh, but 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 the problem too is that we know that oh, Mike. No. Oh, sorry. We know we know he tweets a lot. We also know he reads too many people's tweets. You know when he, I I think there is a thing. Uh, there's a fine line between listening to your fan base and catering specifically to one part of the fan base, which which Twitter is. You know there, it's it's not a monolith, and um, but. I feel like the people that are are most likely to be on Twitter are more likely to criticize or, you know, or be, um, you know, lifers either way. Like, I, I think I, I'd like to believe one of the reasons people like us is that even Scott, you know, Scott gets the reputation for being this die in the wool, like AEW defender. And he is 80% of the time, but, if something is like really bad, he's the first to say it, you know, like we don't mind loving shit and, and, and disliking stuff. And I mean, it's so weird to me when people who aren't making money off a company act like they are employees, 
when they're so committed to either product to the point of like worship or devotion i i, I mean it's just not something i can do you know like yeah, I yeah, can't even I do saw... it for a fucking country. Let alone First a wrestling of all, Mike, organization. they're not—they're not employees. <laughs> they're independent contractors. Um, but but no, but you're you're absolutely right in that. I like we are all critical of 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 a lot of what we watch, but it's coming from a position of here's how something could have been done better. Not I hope this thing falls on its face and fails. We would all be really upset if AEW were to go away tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we would theoretically all be upset if WWE went away for that one week in a year that it's WrestleMania. Mike remembers it's a company. But I think that overall, the people can suss out when there's fake criticism that's being spit out by a robot versus people who are actually bringing up valid points and saying this is good or this is not good. And civil discourse exists to some degree and people see through a lot of the other bullshit this felt especially weird because i don't get what tony's point of this was supposed to be that he thinks the wwe is secretly plotting against him which makes him sound a little bit like a crazy person i mean oh, also- man, I, I i know you're saying they're not competition that doesn't mean wwe wouldn't do it you, oh you- vincent a harp if he knew how the internet worked absolutely yeah, he for sure would do it and, and i did hear and i don't know if it's confirmed but something about how ratings work that WWE, like it was proven that they were, I don't know, somehow making the Nielsen ratings push back further. So Rampages would, uh, something when Rampage was doing well, it was some stupid shit, but that they actually got involved with the Nielsen ratings. So they aren't above it. No, Vince has never been above uh, going after competition, no matter how small, because it's fun to crush the little guy. But what's great is when Tony posts the Nielsen ratings, and you see the other shows they're competing against. And they're like, we were number one on the night. And number three was Dr. Pimple Popper. Like, this is not what it was during the Attitude Era when they were going up against some, some top-tier shows. It's just, it, it just well, feels It's odd. television. Television is bad. Nobody watches television. Which, we by all the way, watch, you know, Dr. Our, Pimple our Popper is what AEW fans should be watching or should be appearing on, including myself. <laughs> A lot of them, for the, a lot of the wrestlers for their backs, but that's because they don't have a wellness policy. And well, yeah, yeah, Tony, Tony Khan calling anyone else a robot. It's like you literally took a gender and turned it into an algorithm where you just plug any two names in at the same time every fucking week. Uh, you know, maybe maybe don't call other people robots. Like, Tony, what are we doing tonight? Marina Sheffier versus Sky Blue. but i also think he i think he's such a mark that he wants there to be this war between them and ww like that's why they they mention wwe a lot they like to take their shots this is him going on twitter to try to like galvanize the audience and be like it's us versus them vince doesn't swing at a pitch in the dirt because he doesn't have to because AEW is competition solely in the sense that there are two wrestling shows, but WWE's entertainment portfolio and what they do is vastly different from AEW. And until it starts cutting into their bottom line, Vince is not going to give a fuck about them in the same way he didn't care about WCW at one point until it was too late. But I think that, you know, AEW has already overachieved. Like, I mean, not just the amount of, of, of content that they're making and the amount of, you know venues they're selling out and 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 shit like that but just i think that the the cody move is such a a testament to aew like 
they were able to do a thing that not even Impact was ever able to do, which is make a star big enough that when they go back uh, or where they go to WWE, um, they keep the exact character. You know, like you had you had Drew and Lashley and Christian and, uh, you know, they would they, they went to Impact and they came back and it's like they those guys all like did well for themselves, but no one was given the Cody treatment. You know, Cody, Cody has been given like the treatment of like a, a guy, a big guy from WCW coming into WWE in the prime of both companies. And I mean, to me, that's such like a valid thing. But it's also, you know, I mean, here's the great thing about dynamite. We're about to talk about is that they do take big risk. Sometimes they do fail and they are fun to talk about. And most of the people that do talk about them aren't robots. You know, we're, we're going to talk about something that happened on the show last night that not even Scott can defend. Because... Oh, I'm sure Scott will find a way to defend it. No, he won't. Uh, it, look, I don't think if, he will. If, no, Meltzer's algorithm found a way to defend it. So I'm sure Guys, Scott he can did his job. He did Relax. His... We're going to look. We're, we're Dude, gonna, so, we're gonna... This is how good he is. This is how good he is. He squeezed Samoa Joe's head. And our and, and our heads exploded, like our brains explode. That's how impressive he is. But now let's be honest about it. Uh, yikes! That's fair. <laughs> and we're, and yeah. We're 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 gonna uh, we're we're gonna get to That's that. That's last but though, I, right? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. But I think that to to put a bow on on this, I think the the biggest flashing red light for me is they have a product that is diverse that plays to a number of different wrestling audiences in a way WWE doesn't. So you have a loyal following. The risk that they have is Tony Khan at the top, unchecked, who's single-handedly writing Raw, uh, Rampage, Dynamite, Dark, Dark Elevation, a theoretical eventual Ring of Honor show, uh, and trying to run a football team and a soccer team, um, and is given free reign to tweet whatever he wants, is a liability at, at this point. And I think it's something that they kind of need to keep an eye on versus this being a, <laughs> this a great is, thing. I thought we were going to laugh about it. Now, I mean, what are you talking about, Robert? A what am I talking about? They, of course, he's going to be a liability. There's still, it, it's still a company that's going to have to, you know, make money and go out the there and be fail. successful. But, 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 dude, the show was unreal. The show was, but, but, but two also, other times. Guys, guys, Tony is able to be that busy do all those things and still can't find a prom date for Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not nice, but look, I think we all can agree at the end of the day that there are bots out there attacking AEW. There's nothing to criticize their product about. So let's go to dynamite or dud uh, on a, on a, just a, they bowled a 300 on dynamite. And I think we can all agree home run show across the board, but just if you stopped watching at seven o'clock. Yes. <laughs> yes. If no, you I mean, if uh, if your DVR didn't tape the overrun or most of the second hour, greatest dynamite of all time. Uh, but we're well, going to get like, to it. it. It is a thing where you're like, great game, and it was a great game. And then when you get into the parking lot, uh, a giant squeezes your head. Well, right, that sounds like thing. New Jersey. But uh, <laughs> no, I think overall, when you looked at this show on paper going into it, this felt like wow, this, this reads like a pay-per-view. And then you watch it and you're like, wow, this did not come across like a pay-per-view. Um, but uh, we're going to go through hour one. We're going to stick with Dan's convoluted thing where we talk about the whole hour, but then we wind up picking apart every segment anyway. 
Um, but you know, we don't want to upset the apple cart because he's going to start texting from whatever Caribbean island he is with his dreadlocks. Uh, so hour one, had- we we got we just got this in. Um, he's listening to Meltzer in an apple cart. Uh, hour one, CM Punk versus Penta Oscura. The Jericho Appreciation Society arrived by an airplane. Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express with the greatest poster of all time. The Blackpool Combat Club group had a promo. Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm had a backstage confrontation. MJF and Sean Dean and Darby Allen talking to a coffin. Mike, why don't you start us <laughs> off with hour one? Okay, man. Um, I, I thought that there was a lot of good stuff here. I I don't know if I've spoken about it. Um, I love Alex Abrahante's outfit, man. It, the the most committed guy in the Dungeons and Dragons group. Like the 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 guy that is so committed that you're embarrassed to go to a Renaissance festival with. Um, he's dude. This guy's fun, man. <laughs> it's so goofy. It Have you ever seen fun. his QVC stuff? No. Oh, I wish he wears the cloak. Yes, I have seen it. But yeah, it's the same level of over the top uh, wrestling style. Uh, This scented candle says Christmas. I watch um, I the the one thing I I don't watch being the elite or dark or anything, but I watch the the Ethan Page toy hunts and him and Nyla Rose uh, are often on there and they are both very funny. And very entertaining, and um, so maybe maybe he should do a QVC toy show with Nyla Rose. Him and her uh, would be amazing together. I'd watch that. But no, this was good. I mean, this made sense in terms of the rankings. One's four, one's five. Punk wants to move up. Um, I mean, I, you could kind of guess where it was going, who was going to win. Um, so it was a little predictable in that aspect. But they had a great match. Um, they had a, a, a chop off, which. I would not have done on an episode where an entire match is a chop off, <laughs> but, but I like the match overall. Um, the, the Jericho stuff of uh, the, the uh, Santana and Ortiz stealing the shoes was really fun to me because <laughs> it paid off later when I think it was Ortiz literally looks at the camera and goes, we got the shoes. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um I'm loving, uh, you know, the, the MJF Warlow program is working. I feel like the age of the security is getting younger every week. Um, I think there were a few children in there. I'm like, is that mass transit? Uh, <laughs> there's like, it, it's so it's so funny because me, 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 me and Scott, uh, we're, we're texting each other squabbling about the, we both were squabbling. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting my guilt in that and um, about, about the, the rankings. And uh, he was like, go to a forum and, and, and see what they're saying. Here's the problem. Everyone on a wrestling forum is now in the security during these Wardlow segments. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they get younger. It's like, it's like, I think there was a 10-year-old in there. Um, but, dude, like, people were fucking chanting. This crowd was great. New Orleans, um, they, they were awesome. Uh, and th- it's working, man. Like, I think that they're going to build it to the pay-per-view. Like, look, MJF, like I, I was talking to, to, to my buddy Alex today, and he kind of mentioned there is a bit of a formula with MJF of like the gauntlet that you have to wrestle through to, to get to him. But it kind of works, you know, him as the final boss. And if they if they save this for double or nothing, it, it's once again going to be, you know, like, like Punk and MJF, the biggest match on the show. 
uh, because it, it's just simple shit. Like, you know, this is a, a cocky, arrogant dude. He's losing to a guy that's an underneath guy uh, for the second time in a row. It's just great, simple uh, storytelling. And then uh, later in the in the show, we got him being like, oh, yeah, well, now you're going to wrestle the butcher and the butcher just going. Bleh. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to hour two. Hour two. Know, I'm, just, hour, I'm, just, but, I'm just. All right. <laughs> we'll keep Scott. Let's keep the love fest for hour one going. What, what did you think of this? That, that, let's hear, really let's hear your butcher like impression. That is very much like he was like, you know what? I'll just figure it out when we do it. I'll just figure it out when we do it. And then he does it and he's like, Bleh, and he's like, fuck. Shit, I just did I We're just live, go, <laughs> Yeah, man, that was great. Uh, you did the, the mood of missed pose and nothing came out. <laughs> <laughs> man, I think Punk, uh, you know, Punk's best runs are when he's a heel, but match wise, I, I don't think there's ever been a better Punk run. He has not had a bad match. He bought when he botched in this match, he made it seem intentional. Uh, because that's how good he is at this. His matches feel slower than the other matches on the card and not slower like, oh no, this guy's old, but like methodical and I'm invested and interested and it sucks like me deliberate. Yeah, yeah, man. I, it's just, I, I think people aren't talking about it enough, just how damn good he's been uh, in terms of putting on great matches. I don't know who else has done that. Yeah, the internet's like, really you know, settled about praising CM Punk. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, and then what the hell happened? Hold on. Bleacher Report. Oh, then we went right into Jungle Boy. Yeah, I like this a lot. I think it could have ended the show, you know, maybe. Uh, but we'll talk about that. Then Captain Sean Dean versus MJF. I also think this could have ended the show, actually. And I think the overrun, it would have been fun and made sense because the overrun happens because Wardlow grabs the camera. And then it's, you know, someone in the back being like, well, keep it going. And then it's Wardlow saying what he has to say. And then the show ends uh, because, you know, yeah, anything but what happened. And then the trios like, match, like, I thought it was fun, man. It, I mean, you, it's obviously. Well, the trios match to... was hour two. We haven't gotten that. Oh, trios it was. Yet. It was. Yeah, the, the cutoff was the Darby talking to a, a coffin in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah. Wasn't like, there like, also a Malachi? There was. Malachi started off hour two. On, on Fuego del Sol. Oof. Oh, dude, crazy, right? I know. So brutal. It's so uh, funny because it, it's just so demonic. Like he's he's knocking it out of the park, but it's like he's like mad about ch- fucking chicken nuggets or something. It's crazy. <laughs> so he's Ryback, um, which works. He's a better he's a better Ryback. Uh, no. Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll brief, uh, hour one. I like the Punk Pento score match. I, I agree with Mike. I had the note about they shouldn't have done the chops spot when you were going to get a shitload of chops later. I like CM Punk constantly trying to figure out how to do the uh, zero marrow thing during the match. Uh, That was kind of entertaining. And then going into the GTS a couple times was definitely creative. Uh, The Jericho Appreciation Society thing with the plane is is dumb. I like the whole like this is how sports entertainers travel, which is good. And then Eddie and them just pulling up in a car was goofy. Um, Red Dragon Jurassic Express was it was fine. Um, I'm surprised they went with such a clean finish so early in the show with it. And then the, it kept going after and Kyle O'Reilly's post uh, match attack looked really goofy. I don't know who's agenting Kyle's stuff or talking to him, but his persona is 
death, uh, the sitting down in the middle of the room. Like he's like doing the Brian Pillman stuff, but not realizing he's doing the Brian Pillman stuff. And it makes it really weird. Uh, FTR came out after and there was like, like a shove and then they just cut to break. It was it was kind of funky. Uh, I like the Blackpool combat <laughs> promo where, where they were making fun of the gun club of not knowing who they are. And there's like, fuck it, we'll just kick their ass anyway. Um, Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm pointing out their similarities is, uh, again, because Tony's bots are reading the internet. And the joke is both of them have larger rear ends, according to the internet. And that's why they're going to wrestle. Uh, MJF, Sean Dean. Sean Dean was dressed like every WCW jobber from the early 90s. Uh, he was Sergeant Craig Pittman, but uh, without the charisma. You know, Max- you know what he looked like, Robert? He looked like... Yeah. like- Every like video game box art with a live action actor from like the late yes. 80s. He looked <laughs> like, like he was from. Sure, an... I'm pretty sure Sean Dean was on the front of Contra. Yes, he looked like he was in, from an off brand Nintendo wrestling video game. Like that's a character you would have played, like the general. Like uh, it looked like a prequel to like Carl Weathers and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Carl Weathers while he was still on the gas. Um, I love that they always do a, prom- a promotion for Rat in the Kitchen whenever Max comes out. That's that's really funny and a good piece of synergy. And if you're not watching that show, it's a fantastic show written by some really talented people. Uh, Max not being able to open his jacket was a really funny heel bit. And I love that they paid that off. And then Wardlow looked like a monster and Max got a loss. So that was good. And then Darby cut a promo talking to a coffin and i will say it four times because it was fucking weird and then since we're going to get to hour two it opened with malachi black giving a very spooky promo about nothing uh hour two also had hey his name is fuego del sol fuego exactly <laughs> it, fuego, you know what it, you know what the fight feels like it's about it's like it's like uh his section of party city the halloween section was getting in like the pinata section <laughs> the pinata section. <laughs> I like I like that Scott thinks the feud is like a guy running a spirit Halloween is upset that the taco truck is taking his customers. By the way, side note, do you see they're making a spirit Halloween movie? Yes. Which is fantastic. No, um Jake Hager, Daniel Garcia, and Chris Jericho took on Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful. MJF is in the back and cuts a promo uh, about Wardlow. The butcher shows up and Mark Sterling is there. Uh, Marina Shafir takes on Sky Blue and Jade Cargill is in the back and Mark Sterling is there. Hook is in the back. Uh, He gets confronted by Tony Nese and Mark Sterling is there. (laughs) Who the fuck is writing this fucking show QT Marshall needs? Writers in wrestling never go. I mean, I'm sorry. Lawyers in wrestling never go together. I botched that joke. (laughs) Yes, it was was still good. Scorpio Sky, uh, Paige and Lambert had a promo. Hobbs and Starks took on Swerve and Keith Lee. Uh, Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose had a backstage segment that I'm sure we will talk about. There was a Hangman, Adam Page, uh, Adam Cole package, just to kind of remind you that they're going to be wrestling at four o'clock Pacific time. So if you get home from school <laughs> early enough, you can watch that. Uh, you can watch your classmate. It's like, meet me after school at four. You, you, you know what's about this, about this moment when he was like, he kept talking about how it's hard for him to look in the mirror. I'm like, yeah, because it's above the sink in your hotel. <laughs> uh, and then the main event, Samoa Joe took on Minoru Suzuki. And if you didn't watch the overrun, it was a great show. Uh, hour two, Scott, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, I like this trios match. It was fine enough. It's obviously just leading to who are these two people that are going to show up and help out Proud and Powerful and Eddie who Kingston. Who would you have? 
it's probably going to be Homicide and Hernandez, right? Now, would I have that? Oh, God. No. I don't know. I don't know. So it's it, this is full on. They're turning into TNA. Well, who I mean, who else would you? I just don't know who else there would be. I'm trying. I'm trying to think like who would come off like a cool friend. Well, you need there's. somebody authentic from the street. So I'm thinking Cesaro. Who's seven foot two and okay at basketball? <laughs> Big Show's already there, Mike. <laughs> uh, then, oh, dude, the, the the tag match was unbelievable. The uh, the Swerve Strickland Team Taz match, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought there was like a ton of great spots in it. The uh, Fierce Guy Blue match was terrible. It was a bummer. I think when event. Punk was wrestling, that botches make you a better wrestler. In no, which no, case, no, Marina no, Shafir no, is no, Daniel Bryan. I, I didn't say that. That's crazy. You hear things like that? Oh, no. Okay, so anyway, also, um... You guys are also <laughs> burying the lead on the most important part of this show, which is that Red Velvet was in the baddie section. <laughs> that, oh, I have that note. That's, that's the intrigue. <laughs> yeah, JR really sold it, too, right? Yeah, oh, when he they said cu- Red Velvet's in the baddie section. <laughs> when they cut to that guy in the crowd dressed like Jim Ross in the cowboy hat, and the in the Sooners jersey, and they didn't get off of him until Jim Ross would comment on him. Uh, is great. like it's like I love that like they're channeling Kevin Dunn. I, I tell I tell you something. Any woman that says no to me is in the baddest section, and uh, America's getting a very large baddest section. It's all one John Perkins. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Uh, you were talking about how much you love the main event. Oh yeah, man, the main event was unbelievable. Uh, Joe versus Suzuki absolutely loved it it's like damn joe's back you know uh two really cool matches the last two weeks that that shows that he uh, can be dominant still and, and take punches i think that was my fear it's like he is so big but you he is injury prone and so you go what would happen and suzuki was murdering him and so if he can handle that i think he's good to go uh Let's talk about what happened after the match together, like on the count of three type of thing. After you guys review, well, tell you, your we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll save two. that. We're going to save yeah, that yeah, for yeah. the end. Yeah, the yeah. overrun gets its own. But man, we I, talk I hour one, was... hour two. This is hour three. Yeah, yeah, because the next segment is high spot. <laughs> I mean, look, I, look. As of as of now, it is. You know, there was the the women's match was bad. Everything else I thought was uh, was was really great, really great. And then you know, we'll talk. Uh, right, by, by the way, Scott uh, actually said that that wasn't just a recording we use every week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's an evergreen statement. Mike, what would you think of hour two, not counting I, hour know, three? Um, okay, so I, I had some things I really liked this hour. Uh, I, I did like the yeah the trios match was, was okay. I mean, AW does this thing sometimes of it feels like they're continuing a feud, but blowing it off at the same time and nothing actually gets resolved. Like, I, I just, I mean, maybe I'm alone here. I just don't think that this uh, Jericho Appreciation Society is working. I think that there's a lot of money in Kingston and Proud and Powerful, whether that's as a unit or, or separately, and they're just being wasted here. And I'm, I'm ready for them to, to move on to something else. Um, I, is I really love all three of those guys, but I just, I just don't think this is, this is a, a success right now. And then, um, yeah, the tag was good. The tag was it was interesting. It it wasn't the best book thing in the sense like you have Swerve and and uh, and Keith Lee, which I, by the way I love the the flip off of his tummy was was amazing to me. It felt like something like 
Tigger would do with Winnie the Pooh. That's <laughs> what uh, you want in wrestling spots. Yeah, I feel I feel like they did that to beat a heffalump once. Um, but but enough about Hobbs. Now, uh, I I thought that I thought that Taz is the heffalump actually. Now, I I thought that it was good, but the problem was, you know, AEW has done a really good job of making anyone in their hometown matter, and Starks was such a star here that they did not want to boo him. They um, they didn't want to fully boo the other guys either because they are the baby faces. But then um, they were loving they were loving Starks, and then they gave Hobbs the pin, which was weird to me. <laughs> I I feel like if you're gonna have the heels win, at least have the hometown guy win and, and give them that that pop. But uh, the the main event was brutal to watch uh, in a good way. They just yeah, I mean I. I was saying yesterday, it's like the first turn-based wrestling match I've ever seen. It's like a Japanese RPG, and then um, it was like it was like a wrestling it was like a wrestling game where both people decided not to use reversals. Like I'm gonna hit you, then you hit me. I'm gonna hit you, then you hit me, and it worked, man. I mean, and when Suzuki was like one more time when he when he called a, a tummy slap encore. Um, <laughs> That, that fucking rolled, and I uh, hated that. But yeah. I liked, I liked. The, <laughs> look, I liked the Rosa, uh, Nyla Rose segment because I love early '90s Nickelodeon. It was very funny to me. Um, you know, this 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 wasn't double there. This was what would you do? Um, <laughs> so that was cream. But Nyla had one of the funniest lines. Uh, she she used the copyrighted term from uh, Brandy Heffa, but. At the end of the segment, she goes, "Jokes on you, Heffa. I love cake and violence." <laughs> <laughs> and it just fucking that popped me, man. I, 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 like I said, I think Nyla is legit, really funny. And the joke, I thought, like she knew that was funny. She delivered it well, and it, it was, it was very good. And then um, I guess we're not talking about the thing that actually ended the show and my love of wrestling. Just yes, now. the thing that ended Dynamite forever uh but no so the uh the six-man tag i'm not calling it a trios match i'm sorry the six-man tag here's a weird thing so jericho appreciation society are heels they're they're dastardly bad guys yet they still come out to judas and the crowd all sings along and they encourage it and that kind of bugs me like if you are a heel take away the things that the fans like so they will boo no. you more oh Even no they explain that they explain that I know it's they explained because it. Because he it's gets played dumb. every time it gets played. And then when the camera, like, like so the other week, uh, they won the match. And then when the cameras turned off, he got on the mic and said, turn the song off because they're not getting paid for it anymore. Then there, should awesome. be a count, then there should be a counter in the bottom of how much money he's getting paid <laughs> every time the song is there. Robert, can, um, we, can we, we talk about something quickly, which I forgot, which is very funny that they announced that it had finally gone gold. A song, a song that has been around for like five years been on every AEW, so like 500,000 copies. <laughs> it does not sound impressive. Well, when in an era where no one buys Bobby. music, I guess that's impressive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like they they sold the most VHS tapes this year. Congratulations. Uh, I liked Eddie Kingston wearing the thump shirt. Um, that was great. I know that, you know, that made Jim Ross hard as a rock. So that was fantastic. The bat shot to finish the match kind of was a little weak. Like, I feel like if you're going to beat, like, you can lay it in on Kingston. He's not going to care. Uh, they should have hit him. Um, yeah, the, MJF bringing out the butcher as the guy was, 
I don't I never like their association with the Andrade uh, death squad of television. And this is continually dumb. And it's like if you're going to book them, they should have booked him against the Butcher and the Blade. Go full on WWE, feed a tag team to Wardlow, let Wardlow destroy two guys that don't really matter. And at least that'll look more impressive than the big hairy dude who's also in a band. Uh, Marina Shafir and Sky Blue. Holy shit. I, I this is on me, guys. I it's because I put it out there on the on the bots world that if you're going to promote Marina Shafir as the person who's going to face Jade Cargill, you should show her wrestling. And they did. And I have never felt worse in my life. Um, This was I I don't know if she knew if she was a baby face or a heel. She turned like six times in one match like this was vintage big show. It was like they were wrestling in honey, like they were so like clunky and they, they weren't on the same page. Sky blue not someone who's really ready for live television, not the opponent they probably should have put her in there with. Uh, this did no one any favors. Um, Hook what do you at, do for her and Jade? How do you uh, do you, that when both, there's no one, there's no one to lead? It's on tape. It's, it's taped. It's, I think it's on their, uh, their Saturday special, which I think they're taping on Friday. Oh, yeah. Okay. They didn't, did they, they announce that for Battle of the Belt? Oh, no, no maybe, I don't Belts. think, is it on Battle of the Belt? I think it's then? Battle no, of the Belt. Oh, I don't know which show it's on. Well, whatever it is, they need to edit it or it needs to be a five-second knockout. It needs to be a Brock Lesnar match. Jade needs to pick her up, do whatever move she does that won't accidentally kill someone and be done with it. Um, yeah, this is this, be like watching Vince take a stunner for five minutes. But that's at least entertaining. This <laughs> is just going to be uh, uncomfortable. Hook with I, I i've said this before i don't really love hook with danhausen um they did a bit after they went off the air which i don't know if you guys saw it. i was going to send it to you danhausen's in the ring with regal and moxley and danielson and yuda and it is absolute gold uh because it's, it's the it's the you know the go home make the audience go home happy not that they didn't go home happy with dynamite uh especially the finish but they they put them out there and danhausen put a curse on regal and regal sold it like he was really cursed and William Regal is the best thing in professional wrestling. Uh, Hobbs and Starks versus uh, Swerve and Keith Lee. I had the same thought as Mike. This was not the place to book this just because you haven't put Swerve or Keith Lee on Dynamite in a while. Um, or in Swerve's case, I don't think he's wrestled on Dynamite at all. So they're not fully established with this audience. And it felt like Ricky Starks was the conquering babyface, which is okay if you want to tell that story it's not the story they're telling and and mike the reason hobbs took the pin uh, or, or or got the pin here is because he had to win by cheating and they didn't want the crowd cheering for ricky starks winning by cheating uh starks is going to be a great baby face someday his undertaker walk on the top rope looked awesome he's got uh, a charisma to him i think he like sammy guevara is someone who is such a good heel but the crowd won't let him stay a heel they're going to wind up turning him baby face um Though Sammy and Ty Conti are absolutely heels on TV. They are horribly unlikable. And it's making me really love Dan Lambert. And I don't like that feeling. It's very uncomfortable. It's like sympathy for the devil. Uh, I hated the Thunder Rose and Nyla Rose cake thing. Yes, Nyla Rose made that line work. But it never should have been booked in the first place. Like, that's bad WWE. If I would have seen that on Raw or SmackDown, I'd have been like, this is a fucking stupid segment. You don't have to introduce cakes in wrestling anymore. We all know what's going to happen. It doesn't serve anybody. Um, this Thunder Rosa. <laughs> no, it Rose doesn't program. serve anybody. <laughs> I didn't even mean that. But yeah. Scott, here's, here's one. They're already offering Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. That's all the cakes in wrestling you need. 
<laughs> well, cake, we are. Cake, we have, cake, it cake, it cake, is cake, it is uh, junkyard dog territory. So grab them cakes. But uh, yeah, I, I, the Thunder Rose and Isla Rose thing. It's like I get that you needed an opponent for Rosa. It's like they don't care at all. Like Tony Khan had to do this like out of an obligation. Like he gets a tax credit for doing this storyline. It's been relegated entirely to backstage promos that have been a, like less than a minute where they just get interrupted. This thing has no heat. It's obvious what's going to wind up happening. And it feels like a big letdown after Thunder Rosa's big win over Britt Baker. So it's an odd miscalculation across the board. Speaking of odd miscalculations, they did the Hangman Adam Cole package. This match being at 7 p.m. on a Friday. I, I Now, and before an NCIS rerun. So Rampage is bumped because of a basketball game. And instead of saving this for Battle of the Belts 2 and making it a primetime special, it's a 7 p.m. Rampage. Like, this is just, this is death. And I know these guys are going to go out there and they're going to try to kill themselves. And I'm sure the match is going to be very, very good, especially since it's a death match and they're going to both be able to bleed and they're going to do everything they can to make it work. But putting this on at 7 o'clock on a Friday, um, I don't think this does anybody any favors. Am I, am I wrong here? No, you're not. And I mean, because they didn't even advertise it at a good time in the show. Like we know that this slot is the death slot. The the slot right before the main event is where they, they do throwaway stuff. And so it, it and that it was a package that it wasn't even in ring, you know, there, there was nothing, man. I mean, this is, I, I feel like they're leading to, to, to Punk versus Page for the pay-per-view. I, I I can't say anything, but Page's run has been a complete failure. Uh, get the fucking belt off him, give it to Punk, and turn Punk heel because they just don't know how to book babyface champions, which I think the Rosa thing proves as well. I mean, you know the amount of uh, championship matches that we're having this week and none of them feel that special uh, is, is a, is a problem. I mean, they also, this, this battle of the belts thing, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's some kind of obligation, but there's no effort put towards promoting it. I mean, it, this is like a very stacked on paper week for AEW and it doesn't feel that important when you actually watch it. Can I give you my reasoning? It's, 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 it's worse than you think. Uh, I think Tony intentionally does this out of like a, an insecurity of what potential ratings could be. So the battle of the belts deal, like this whole Saturday one hour thing, it sucks. You're not, you're not going to get a good rating. And so you don't put your best guys on there because then you can't go, you can't, you can't, you don't have to say, Oh, my best guys didn't get a good rating. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Saturday, I mean, Saturday night's main event never drew. That was a total failure. And uh, I mean, yeah, 45 years ago, Robert. Yes, 45 years ago. And most of those fans <laughs> are still watching. And they're the only ones who watch on terrestrial television. They're watching television. 2.0. And half dead. of them are dead. Half Robert, no one would ever watch wrestling at 6.05 on a Saturday. That is true. No one would ever watch wrestling at 6.05 on a Saturday either. I, I disagree, Scott, because I think that knowing that Tony is such a mark and knowing how successful clash of the champions are, and you're still getting prime time on a major cable network, you stack the show a little bit, you make it feel more important instead of this obligation. And you may catch people because here's the thing, Scott, we're old people. 
one of the things AEW needs to start hooking is younger fans. And if younger fans are home on a Saturday night, and yes, they're going to be you know on their phones and playing, if they by happenstance catch this on TV, you may wind up bringing in more of a younger audience who's going to be loyal and stick around for the next 15, 20 years when they're doing their own bitching podcast about how good AEW was when they were kids back in the day. But listen, I, I, again, I, I think this is what Tony's doing. I agree with you. I think you should be putting major titles on. I think, you know, people would, but it seems like he's very nervous to put, I remember it happening because when Kenny Omega wasn't hurt, he didn't do any of these like specials. And I was like, oh, he doesn't want Kenny to get a bad rating because it was in the middle of all this. Oh, Roman Reigns is the needle mover shit. And, you know, you, you, you say which is also dumb because most fans don't care about ratings. He, nobody gives a fuck. I well, know. no, he does because he he, does, he yeah. lives on the internet. All he well, does numbers and is, shit. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and, and it's when, also who he who, who's paying him. Like, you know, we can say what we want, but the the people who run these companies do have to care about that. Right, but you, but Mike, you know, yeah, just and there's as well an as anybody, market, Robert. Well, there's hold an on, Indian relax with the Indian about. market. But 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 <laughs> the thing you understand is. If they're running a live show or a live tape special, whatever it is, on a Saturday night, it's going to do a better rating than, you know, NCIS New Orleans reruns that they would normally be airing. As long as what it is is better than what there was before, TNT is not going to care. In the same way everyone gets up in arms about the NXT 2.0 ratings, USA is fine with it because this is doing better ratings than Pacific Blue or whatever the hell USA has on TV right now, wrestling is still one of the few things that draws a live audience, even if it is a smaller live audience. Uh, speaking of the main event, Samoa Joe, Minoru Suzuki, is a weird existential question. Can you have a TV title if you don't have a TV show? <laughs> Feels very weird. Um, the chops were fine. I hated the one more time spot with Suzuki because he was setting up for the gotch pile driver and rather than finish the match and win the title, he just wanted to do more chops to get cheers from the crowd, which I don't, that's something I don't like where it's not all performance art. Like you are at least supposed to pretend that there is a desired outcome there. Robert, that's because you, you've never heard the people roaring, man. Sometimes you can't stop. Okay. Sometimes, you know, you can finish it, but you know, the people want to see chops and, and you're in it. And you give it to him. And that's Which what makes you an there. idiot. And Minoru Suzuki shouldn't be booked as a wacky idiot. It makes uh, you an idiot unless you stick your tongue out demonically. Then it makes you crazy and adds to your gimmick. So, so here's where things sort of start going off the rails. They, they were hyping an overrun for a while, which is a disconnect because you're basically flashing like, this is a scripted show. And we've scripted this to go longer than it was supposed to. Uh, they were tweeting about it earlier in the day. And if you were if you were pushing to an overrun, there should have been a logical reason. Or if it's this match is happening late, the match should have run longer. These guys could have probably done another three to five minutes uh, of, a, of a physical match to warrant an overrun. And then Joe wins the title. Uh, he is the Ring of Honor TV champion, which they sell as if he won the world title. Uh, and then... Uh, we get uh, Sanjay Jutt and Jay Lethal, who uh, fulfill their promise of giving a big present to Samoa Joe. They uh, they lift up the box and it is a middle finger inside of it. Uh, it's a Dick's middle finger through a box uh, because Jay Lethal has a lot of horrible allegations against him. Uh, and then there was the hour three overrun where Satnam Singh 
the 7-3 former NBA draft pick from your Dallas Mavericks, uh, squishes Samoa Joe's head to promote the return of Kids in the Hall, uh, which was fantastic synergy uh, and uh, just the best thing ever. Uh, Scott, defend this fucking thing. No, man, I can't. I couldn't. I would never be able to. Um, I will defend Tony Khan about the overrun because he did say it may just be a few minutes. Um, but why would he know that if it's not scripted? Oh yeah, I know. I mean, that's absolutely. That's the thing. That's that's too. why it's that's why it was. You know, but you live in a time where if he doesn't do that, and then people don't get it on their DVR, it's you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Would that have been a bad thing if they no, did not get God, this overrun? No, my gosh. Here, so, like, I mean, there's a million issues with it. One is giants suck forever. They always have, and we are way too smart to know they don't suck. Name a giant. I'm talking giant. That's any good besides Andre. Well, you can't do that. Do we, like count, one. Do, 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 do we count Paul White? Because I do think that yeah. there were times he worked. Paul White worked. Kevin Nash worked. Kane worked. I don't think Kane is a giant. Kane is not a giant. And Kevin, Na- Kevin Nash is not a giant. We're talking giants, you know, where their faces look different, Robert. You know? Oh, you're talking like, like so you, okay, so fine. Footer. So, so, so if, they got if, these tiny teeths for some reason, Robert. Okay, so you, you know, want the deform. Kind of so, okay, so the deform, the people with gigantism, uh, are who you're talking about? <laughs> Acromegaly. Yeah. And this guy's the worst kind because he doesn't even act crazy. He's like it's in a suit works. and he's just like, he's just like, I, I do business. I'm a hustler. Can we? I'll show you how to make money. Can we talk about the <laughs> funniest thing in this segment, which was that, you know, they they love and it, it, it it's a trope that I'm not a fan of that the that the company loves the the lights out thing, which I'm I'm okay if it's like all right this is Malachi's thing Malachi does the lights out thing like but they do, they've done it multiple times for multiple people. But it was so funny here because they had to have the lights off long enough for the guy to get into the ring. And so they were off for like 30 seconds. Yes. Which if you listen to the audio, you just hear dum da dum da dum da dum. Where's the ropes, George? By the way, speaking of dumb, and this is something that they rarely fuck up this badly, but Excalibur not knowing who this guy is and Tony Schiavone having an encyclopedic knowledge of everything about this man. I love was, that. Was oh, so I actually weird. like that because Excalibur only knows wrestling and this guy's an NBA player. It's no, actually no, awesome. Scott, he doesn't know him as an NBA player. He's like, well, that's, you know, uh, Satnam Singh. He's been training with Sanjay Dutt. I've seen them at the training <laughs> facility. And yeah, Excalibur's like, what? This Yes, because this guy never wrestled on PWG, so Excalibur doesn't know. I actually I like that Excalibur didn't know who he was because there was <laughs> there, there was a moment in in the main event that that really cracked me up too when um I was gonna say it was yeah. Jim Ross or it was one it of was that, Jim but, Ross asking about what the lyrics of Suzuki's yes! song is he goes I I don't know he goes he goes something about the wind and yeah. then and then Jr. goes stumped you. <laughs> yeah, man. That was like that the was proudest. Awesome. Like that's when Jim Ross is like, "Thank God I beat cancer to be here for this moment." <laughs> this is what he's living for. This is the weirdest thing about this. Is I understand theoretically, I don't, but I, I understand this bullshit thing that Melcher's putting out there. Like, well, well, they have the Discovery deal with with HBO, and they're going to be in India. No. 
that didn't work when they tried it with with uh, with Ginger, Ginger Mahal. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not something like the the Indian audience wants to Wait, see. Did it work with Kali? Admit it, Robert. Kali's different. Kali? Hold on. Kali's different because Kali was a already a, no. He was a phenomenon in that country to begin with. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Kali thing didn't last for very long. Uh, and AEW is a different audience who doesn't have time for this bullshit. These are Absolute not rubes. Fact. These are not rubes who are like, well, that guy's tall. I gotta watch this. Like that's Vince's whole way of pushing Omos. Like my brother, God, brother. he's so tall. It, and yet it, Tony Khan is just like he's turning his back on his audience to, to promote the thing in India when all they care about in India is good wrestling. You know what was super popular in India? TNA. TNA was a massive hit in India. And you know what they didn't have? An 11 foot tall Indian giant. Like that's not all that it takes. You, you need. Can we, can we talk about show. how progressive it is that a Pakistani is promoting an Indian? That is very progressive. Yes, uh, <laughs> this was the biggest bomb between those two countries, thankfully, ever. I will. I will say this though: if this happened any other time of the show, I wouldn't care much. I'd still say, don't turn off the lights. Let him walk out because he's a giant. So let him walk through the crowd. It looks awesome anyway. You know who's going to stop him? Uh, yeah, lights out bad because you don't know who the hell he is. So people are going to be confused. But to end a show on someone nobody knows, and it's a giant nobody knows. So like. We definitely hate him. It's not even like a confusing, we may hate him eventually. Like, no, we know he's going to not be good at this. And the cherry on top of that shit Sunday is now they're like, and now we have to watch Samoa Joe wrestle this guy. Like they want to see, you want to see Jay Lethal team, No, that's not, that's, that's not bad if they're a trios team. It, it, it could be funny if, if they just like jump off of him, if they just use him as something they jump off of. It, it could be funny. Like it could be. It would have been the, the way to, to they blah, blah. the way to debut this guy, honestly, is QT Marshall reveals him as the opponent for Hook and Hook taps him out in 11 seconds. That's how you <laughs> debut this dude. Instead, no. you put him in a main event slot as a big surprise. And, and AEW has done this, and I've said this ad nauseum. They have conditioned their audience to only really respond when there's a surprise debut. And when you know it's the first ever overrun, and you know that it's this ring of honor world. You're like, who are they going to get? Is this going to yeah. be where the lights are going to go out? And it's going to be, you know, Claudio Castagnoli. Is it going to be Chris Hero? Is it going to be a, a ring of honor star from the past that we're excited about? And instead, it's the most sports entertainment guy ever. It's fucking death. And now, and now saying that, I think that's how you should have debuted him. He should have been a part of the sports entertainers. It's so funny if Jericho just like talks about how they have this giant and like, you know, he makes him like put his hand in front of his head and he's like, wow, look at that. Like, you know, he's just like freaking out how cool Oh, and is. that would have been the best rip if he starts talking about his ring size or. Oh, it, dude. You know, and then like Hager is all jealous of him. And, it, you know, it, it would just be so, so funny. And he's going to botch because they always botch. And if he botches in that, it looks like it's written. It looks like it's part of it. Oh, he sucks because he's a part of this gimmick. He's supposed to suck. Now he's going to suck and it's going to be uncomfortable. I well, hope, I, fair, I hope this is something that it's just. He's in Ring of Honor. It's a place for him to train. Okay, cool. You did this kind of show. That was a huge fuck up. Let's move on, Tony. That's true. And when you think Ring of Honor, you think giants who can't wrestle. That was always the <laughs> well, reputation of Ring of Honor. <laughs> Tony's but, but, okay, Ring of Honor. All right. <laughs> I, 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 have a, I, I have not chimed in enough on this thing. I, I, here's, here's why it did work, okay? Because you immediately 
establish the new Ring of Honor as the new 2006 ECW by having a zombie show up. <laughs> like in the same in the same way that you watched 2006 ECW and you were a little excited because you loved One Night Stand and you're like, maybe they'll get it right. Heyman's there. It could still be good. It could still be good. It's gone. I know. But like, even though like you have like some hope for it, this immediately squashes it. You can move on with your life. You don't have to worry as much. I mean, I yeah, the 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 guy Singh was 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 not very good, but I don't think we're we're talking about how lame Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal appeared in this. Like, I, I think they're both very good, you know, wrestlers, and they have uh, good uh, resumes, but they came off like they both came off like Harvey Whippleman in this man. Yes, total they, geeks. Yeah, they both look like goobers, man. And 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 then yeah, this is beneath Joe. Joe Joe could be doing so much with so much talent um in there that they can learn from him and everything. And this is just such a waste of of him and and I just think too that it's like the the the, the biggest problem with this is that you had such a believable match. You know, like I know that wrestling is predetermined, but Joe and Suzuki legit hurt each other. You know, there's a believability to what they do. There's an intensity to what they do. And this completely deflated that. This was just so comical. And and I'm going to say it, you know, fucking Andre only worked because of the time that he was in. Because there wasn't, uh, you know, national TV for, for that long. That, you know, he could go from town to town like a fucking circus elephant and build up mystique and then, and then have, you know, all of these like kayfabe lies that they would say about how he was never slammed and he was never beaten. even though thousands of people had seen that you could build the mystique and, and, but it's like Andre couldn't really talk. Uh, and when he was at his, at his most prime, I mean, look, the guy was a draw, but he was like fucking broken down and hurt. Uh, he probably was one of the best giants, athletically and and nobody even has much footage of that um and and so yeah like but everybody chases it man it's like like giant gonzalez was nothing but tall the great Kali was nothing but tall it's like you got to be more than just tall you know you look at kevin nash and like kevin nash it's like one of the most amazing things because he is like a fucking physical specimen but then he also is one of the most calculating smart people to ever be in the business. It's like fucking fascinating, you know? And this, I just think that it's, yeah, if this was on WWE, I, I wouldn't think twice. It'd be like, Oh, Shanky too, yeah. you know, or, Oh, this is the direction they're veering in. Uh, but, oh, but this makes Veer this, look better by comparison. So that made me happy. You know, the thing, yeah, the, the thing is, is that it's like, I look at, you know, I, I do want both companies to succeed and I want them to do their own things. I never want something that feels this WWE on this show, let alone like the, this was also, you know, on their YouTube, you know, they do like the top five countdown. This was number one. So they put this above like other important things. And, and even the fact that like Joe won a title last night and this was overshadowed. This was like, Joe Joe beating Suzuki was like Kota winning the Oscar for Best Picture. 
All I know is the weird, uncomfortable thing that happened. <laughs> and the finish, much like Coda, tone death. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, this was this was really bad. And I mean, you're absolutely right about like advertising a, a an overrun in advance and everything. And and when you think, I mean, let's just talk about that for a sec. The amount of great matches that have felt like they've been cut short for time um, yeah. on this show. And this is the thing that they thought. Well, but covered. no, no. Well, no, it's not. It's it's not about that. So it's it's also a timing thing. So it's the 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 network has become happy with them. They've had to ha- they've had to build trust with the network in order to do that. They couldn't just do that whenever they wanted to. It's not like they were writing overtimes. So it's up to the network, and the network this week finally let them go over, and so they went over. Right, but th- this was not the segment, and I think the the, the last thing no. I'll say on this, then we'll we'll, we'll move on. Is it was a bad first choice, is all I'm saying. It was that. a bad first for choice, sure, and Tony sure. Khan needs to have more confidence in his overall product that it will translate well in other markets without feeling like you need to cater to other markets. The thing that makes AEW so dynamic and interesting is the matches are really good. The storylines don't necessarily feel hokey. They don't do cake spots. They, they just put on a good alternative show. And if you air that the audience will, will show up no matter what market you are in, but him feeling this flop sweat pressure of, I need to get a giant and he needs to be from India in order to play to this market is, is he's just not getting good advice on this, but uh, let's, we're going to, we're going to end on our, our high spot, low spot here. Um, Scott, I'll let you start with your high spot and low spot of the week. All right. Um, let's see. My high spot would have to be Willer Yuta versus John Moxley on Dynamite. Holy shit, that was unbelievable. He was poor, you know, Yuta pouring blood out of like three specific holes in his face, just like spouting out a really fun match. Everybody played their part great. Then he joins them at the end and writes the initials of the club on all bloody on his chest. It was just a really, really cool moment for him. And I think it immediately made him someone that everybody can look forward to. The crowd was going nuts for him. And your low spot? Remember, everyone will be talking Wait, about him it... as long as he doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another high spot, and I don't even know the name of it, but uh, New Japan has a show in Chicago this weekend on Saturday, and Moxley versus... Uh, Osprey is one of the matches. So I'm excited about that too. And I wonder Jay what Giant's going to show up at the end of that yeah, match. Jay White has like a U.S. Open challenge. And uh, I wonder who that is. Yeah, Windy City Riot. It's uh, Saturday. So I'm excited to watch that. Is that a fucking high spot? Sure. There's uh, no rule. There's no rules for this, Scott. It's whatever you, whatever <laughs> makes you happy. So what was your low spot of the week? Um, my low spot, I had it somewhere. Where is it? I just want to get his name right, but uh, this oh, uh, Shinjiro Otani, uh, he was paralyzed. He's this Japanese wrestler. He's 49 years old. I don't know him. I've never seen him. I didn't see the accident. I just think if you find out that a, that a wrestler was paralyzed, that immediately becomes the low spot of your wrestling pod, podcast, low spot of the week. Um, as of now, his arms aren't moving and his legs aren't moving. And, and, and they've done a successful surgery on something, but I don't know what that is. I think it's kind of just like, a, I think his wife said something about, you know, I married a wrestler and I knew this could happen. And now we're just trying to make him comfortable, which is like the saddest shit ever, man. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Shinjiro Otani. That's my low spot. 
Mike, what's your high spot following that? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> put smiles just, on people's faces here. But arms don't work, legs don't work. Just add two feet to him and have him team up with Sanjay Dunn and Jay Lee. Son of a bitch. <laughs> here's the here's the I don't like. I, I I I was listening to that. I was feeling really sad. I was like, "Do I make a joke? I probably shouldn't." Uh, whatever. I had the same no, joke no. too. So I'm, okay. I'm glad you said it, not me. Oh man, um, my my high spot would be. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I have two low spots. Um, my my high spot would be. Um, I'm I'm I, I'm digging uh, WWE 2K22 um i think it's a lot better than 2k20 but so is dying um it's it's pretty fun uh you get to reenact the, the, the different moments of ray mysterio's career <laughs> like move by move and that you know like you do the uh, halloween havoc 97 match with guerrero and stuff um but it's it's much more arcadey than the last few and and more hard hitting so i like it um that's my positivity okay two low spots um uh, my <laughs> My my first low spot is, and and we'll debate this maybe. Um, I uh, Cody already week two in wrestling the Miz and doing a Miz TV segment. You've already taken the bloom off the rose in my. So mind. I I I'll disagree with you there. Did you watch the segment of the match? I watched the I watched the 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 promo. I did not watch the match. I just know it lasted 12 minutes. And I, and let me just say this. Brock does not have TV matches. Roman does not have TV matches. Ronda mostly doesn't have TV matches. Uh, you are already saying that he is not a top star by doing this. He's, he's a top week-to-week star. The, the Miz TV which is a, segment, Which is a lower so level. It is, it is a lower level than your Brock one-off <laughs> attraction because it used to just be Brock and Ronda. Now it's Brock, Ronda, and Roman, which is, is fine. The Miz TV segment with him, he felt like a star. Those Miz TV segments are usually death, and the audience is usually silent. They were super into Cody, and he's coming across as as likable as he can be for being close to but not quite a human. And his match with The Miz, they were hyping it in a way they've never hyped the match before on Raw, where they were telling you exactly what time it's going to start. They were making it feel like a big deal. It's like Cody Rhodes' first match on Raw in six years will happen at 9 p.m. At when And when the match starts, they never do that kind of shit. They didn't so, advertise it in advance, though, they right? Were, oh, yeah. They were promoting it all weekend on uh, all over the Internet and stuff. Okay. But so they were they were trying as best they could they uh, to make this important because Cardona was tweeting about how his uh, his bridal party was imploding since they were both groomsmen at his wedding. Um, <laughs> but it's you You needed to get Cody out there. You needed to have him have a match and as a way to get to the, the Seth Rollins thing. So I can see why on paper it seemed like a bad idea, but it was they, these two guys are really friends. Uh, it was a good segment, the, the Miz TV segment, and the match was fine. And they still pointed out like Miz, former world champion, former main eventer of WrestleMania. That's why it wasn't a 30 second squash. But I can see why it feels like a a a low spot to you. Yeah, well, and you know what you got? You got a you got a promo from them uh, up front. You got a match from them right in the middle or after the first hour. Uh, that establishes them as a big deal. Also, you know, to well, not just save their ass, but to look good, which they're supposed to look good. You 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 have them go on the mic with the Miz because who else is going to out? Who else is going to even come close to Cody? 
on, on the mic besides Paul Heyman in that company. Who's, so and you also have to have the to Miz go toe to toe with them because then, then this guy who just came from AEW is like ten times better than everybody on the mic if it's not the Miz. And Miz is going to guarantee that the crowd's going to cheer Cody and boom Miz. Yes, that's true too. So you got to kind of you got to hedge your bets a little bit. Okay, my, then my other um, my my other low spot is Adam Share feuding with Buff Bagwell on <laughs> <laughs> about about control your narrative. So so Buff Bagwell's been on Twitter and seems like the most genuine like fun guy on there. Uh, so he tweeted on a- April twelfth. I just joined Control Your Narrative. Wait, never mind. It was just gas. And then Adam <laughs> Share responds, "Funny, you gonna try and throw shade? Cause what you think it's the cool thing to do? You want to look edgy? Cause you sure were a mark asking to take a picture with me. You should probably worry about your own narrative." <laughs> That's a fantastic Strowman impression, by oh, the way. Oh, thanks, man. I'm just doing Goldar from the Power Rangers, and then yes. we're gonna control <laughs> the buddies. <laughs> um. So this is, and as they go back and forth, and yeah, I mean. Control Your Narrative was like made for this show to, to be made fun of, regardless of, of what friends we, we have in the promotion. Because yeah. um, the other thing that's amazing, they uh, Sarah, Sarah Logan oh, just geez. joined Control Your Narrative. So it's like now they're like, we got a girl with us. We can't hate women. <laughs> and she was like caught like with like like MAGA stuff and everything. This. I mean, this promotion and and like you you think of like. Hold on, I do want to put a caveat there, Mike, just to clarify. It wasn't MAGA stuff. She got caught with like referencing a a fringe alt right group that wants to bring about the Second Civil War. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't want you to think it was just like. Well, it was it was like MAGA on steroids, much like her. herself much like me (laughs) (laughs) but no what's what's interesting about adam sure is like when you when you watch like the the end of last night right and 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 the fact that this guy and i know a lot of it is his own making but like that he's not in a a bigger promotion and the amount of like trash talk he does and this is such a goofy promotion man like i was watching i was watching today um the renee young podcast interview with the authors of pain and they both have like normal lives and jobs now like the razor like is like running a very successful meal prep company in in the netherlands where he's from like and it's like you look at like some of these dudes and where they've gone and like the actual like and and those guys are only in their 20s still and you look at like fucking stroman and the way he talks shit about everybody and that this is what he's doing now like he's he might be worse than ryback there's definitely uh, an argument to be made for that. Uh, I'll get my high spot, low spot in quick. My first high spot, I had two high spots, two low spots. Uh, the Yuta Moxley match was just an absolute fucking delight. I, I thought it was a home run. Obviously, Can I'm I debate for this Yuta. for a sec. Yeah. Okay. I have one problem with that match. The spot that he took the bump on, nobody bleeds from. Everybody takes that spot against the staircase. It felt less like Moxley caused him to do that and more like he was cutting himself and choosing to bleed that much. Yeah, I think that was they needed a way to get to it. It felt like a video game when you like ran the guy in enough times and you bust him open. Um, But uh, I love the match. I I messaged you to after I'm like, it was no you versus Vandal Ortegoon, but it was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, um, I also love the main event of Raw. 
had an awesome match with the Street Profits and the Usos. And I know the narrative is WWE hates tag wrestling and it's all bad. They did back-to-back for your, your double main event was RK Bro Alpha Academy and these guys. And they went out there and had a fantastic match that the crowd absolutely loved. So I don't know if Vince was asleep at the wheel or how this got through quality control, but this was fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, how can but, you complain about their tag division when they showed all of it in 30 minutes? Well, that's why I like <laughs> that they're merging the tag titles because there are eight or nine tag teams. So it's like you don't need two different uh, shows. Do it as one. That works. My, my two low spots. The first was uh, uh, Xavier Woods, Austin Creed. On WWE TV, treated like just another guy. Um, my my daughter wanted to watch the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, which was super fun for me. Thinking back to like when I watched it as a kid, not only was Xavier Woods uh, nominated for for an award, he was a presenter, and they treated him like a big deal, and the crowd was super excited for him. And he's not treated like that on his own show. And I was critical of AEW the way they handled Swerve at the Grammys. This was more egregious because he is a legitimate star to a young audience and they don't exploit that. The other bummer for me, and I'm curious what your, you guys thoughts are on this is my, is the undertaker is going to have a podcast and he was one of the last protected uh, people ever. When I was there, he was the only person we had to call undertaker. Vince called him undertaker, never called him Mark. We never like treated him like a human being. He was, undertaker and he kept that mystique for so long and the hall of fame speech while it was overall a very good speech i hated seeing undertaker talking like a person because it's been such a great protected character and now he's doing a podcast it's going to be on peacock a great network that airs a lot of really good quality steve austin programming but it's going to be on peacock where you're going to see him sitting there having conversations with people as a dude and for me the more i see the undertaker talk the more I think it hurts his legacy. Am I, am I being unfair here, guys? For service that delivers stamps. <laughs> oh. oh, no, uh, man. It, it fucking, it's like. It's welcome like... to rest in pod. <laughs> My yard needs trimming. That's why I use Manscaped. <laughs> oh, I can bear her. I use Manscaped so my big dog can be in his clean yard. <laughs> this is awful, man. This is like this is like finding out that not only Santa isn't real, but it's your dad, and he got you a 32x when you wanted a PlayStation. <laughs> this is the oh man, I didn't know that, Robert, and you ruined my fucking day, like. Because, oh, that, uh, I mean. I think it'll be fun. I think he's a, I think he's, uh, he hasn't gotten to speak for so long that at least a few episodes, it'll be cool to just see how he uh, hangs with people. I'm sure he's a good hang. Yeah, but I don't want The Undertaker to be a, a, a good hang. But you know who is a good hang? You guys here, the forbidden dorks, the best fans in all of wrestling podcast world. So we're going to get to our plugs. Uh, Mike, what do you got to plug? I am here in the graveyard with my first guest, Kyle Rittenhouse. (laughs) We should be in a tag team together called the Defenders of Justice. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, you're going to regret that fucking podcast. Let me me tell you. 
Jews I, will not replace <laughs> Brian Kendrick. Can you please share some of your favorite facts? <laughs> yeah, he's interviewing Heyman. He's like, so uh, you're the one who made the lightning for my entrance. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh man, that's uh, that, that's Mike's plug. That counts, Scott. What do you? Yeah, want yeah. To my my guest is Paul Heyman. And today's episode is called You Don't Get to Celebrate Easter. <laughs> uh, Scott underscore Chaplin for me. And also uh, join our Patreon because we had a listener roast that was a lot of fun. And then we had the Dynamite review on that same uh, Patreon episode, which was a blast. I thought that was like uh, one of the most fun times we've had reviewing Dynamite in a while. So get the damn Patreon. Yeah, that was, if you that was a subscribe to the $20 Creatures of the Night tier on my Patreon, <laughs> I will show you where Sarah lives now. <laughs> Great review and rest in peace. Uh, subscribe. Yes. Uh, follow us on uh, on all the social media shit. I've got WWE Creative underscore ISH. Uh, I do want to plug real quick one of our uh, forbidden dorks. Sean Porter is making his in-ring debut this weekend. So congratulations, Sean. Hopefully we don't have to start a GoFundMe if you land awkwardly uh, after. But hopefully your ears will still work if you're paralyzed in the neck down. You can listen to the show as everyone else can. <laughs> so, or, on- or make it in time for Wrestle Kingdom next year. <laughs> so on behalf of Mike, Scott, Dan, who is somehow trying to listen to the show live, even though he's on a tropical island, and our producer, Zach, I want to wish you all best of luck in your future endeavors. And finally, Zach, what do you got for us? Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. All right, thanks, guys. This was great. <laughs>